All right, creatures of the night. Alex Dorio here, one half of the Talking Taker podcast, bringing you another classic episode of Talking Taker, Back from the Dead. And this month we are boosting back up to the top of your podcast feeds, a very special episode. It is, of course, this month, the 25-year anniversary of, it's got to be, if it's not number one, it has to be top three of The Undertaker's most famous most infamous, whichever way you want to look at it, most memorable matches of all time, even if it's not the best of his matches. I'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, it's King of the Ring 1998, The Undertaker versus Mankind inside Hell in a Cell. This was originally episode 47 of us here on Talking Taker. Travis and I, way back when, we did a watch along for the 20th anniversary of this match. Uh, And that's why we decided not to do a new episode covering it here for the 25th anniversary. uh, Because that's typically what we have done uh, for these anniversary shows is do watch along. But we did one. Uh, we uh, it's a pretty good one uh, when we celebrated the 20th anniversary of it, uh, and, and we chose to do that then because it was like, well, do, do we really just want to like do play by play for this match? You know, it's been talked about to death. Everybody knows what happens in it. Let's do this running commentary and some reactions to it. And uh, we also share about our reactions to it as fans back in 1998 and how mind blown we were by it. And we talk about why you know it. Uh, it holds a weird place, uh, for me at least, as a fan, because, yeah, it's so memorable and it's so momentous, but watching it back when you're trying to take it in as a match, it's pretty rough. And uh, I say that as a person who's not a work rate kind of guy, who doesn't need all these moves and five stars in the Tokyo Dome kind of stuff, but man, besides the big gigantic moments which are incredible there's all they try undertaker and mankind try to work a match and it's almost rough to watch at points knowing how beat up and brutalized mick foley is and how he's just not there is concussed and it's hard to watch and and it hits you kind of different when you think about it in that way but uh we'd love to hear your opinions of it so go ahead and queue up Peacock, watch this match along with us, or just listen back to our running commentary with it. Uh, of course, we'll cover all the buildup for it. And, uh, and another reason why it kind of ages weirdly to me is that there's not much buildup to it. This match just kind of gets thrown together, uh, which is weird for what an important part in history it holds, and for a Hell in a Cell match in general. Um, it doesn't have that much build to it, but we, we talk about that on the show, so check that out. I want to encourage you to also check out our uh, our brother podcast, Collecting Dead Man. Uh, Steven and Randy Turco are, if it's not out now, I know it's going to be out in the next couple days, they are doing their own watch-along for this as part of their gimmick match watch-along series for The Undertaker. So they're going to be looking back at this one for the 25th anniversary. So for another perspective, I want to encourage you to check out their episode. Speaking of Randy, Randy joined me for a bonus episode of Talking Taker. If you haven't heard that yet, we called it Digging Holes and Talking Grove. 
Uh, one thing Randy and I have uh, shared in comments as we met each other through this podcast, we're also giant Foo Fighters fans. Uh, Randy, even more so than me, and he's got a lot of stories about seeing them in concert, uh, getting a drumstick from Taylor Hawkins back in the day, um, seeing the, them way back in the early days. A lot of really cool stuff from Randy. Uh, we go through our favorite Foo Fighters songs and albums. We rank all the albums from best to worst. We talk about the awesome new albums album just something a little bit different uh, you know we always kind of have joked and ripped about doing a spinoff Foo Fighters podcast and so with the new album coming out we decided to do that uh, it has nothing to do with Undertaker uh, but, but hopefully you'll enjoy it and uh, you know I've been thinking I've been wanting to throw some more bonus content in the feed so just be on the lookout there may be more to come and if you have any suggestions of other things whether it's talking taker related maybe just sort of a spin-off uh with me or travis or, or some of our other friends of the show let us know uh pitch some stuff to us and maybe we'll we'll get it in here for some bonus episodes of course if you haven't already check out our june episode where we ranked the top 10 rivals of the undertaker's career and i don't think it's a spoiler to say that mankind made it into both travis and i's lists so uh check out to see where he ranked and uh, give us your thoughts on whose rankings you like best. What are your top 10 rivals for Taker? And then be sure to be here for our July episode. We'll be dropping on July 1st. And this is Undertaker related, but again, it's a little bit more of a diversion from the typical Talking Taker episode. Uh, we're going to be looking back at July 6th, 1998, sort of covering the Monday Night War as it was back then because it was a very historic night. For one thing, The Undertaker had his incredibly memorable moment in the main event of Monday Night Raw where he is dressed as Kane and picks up a win over Mankind to become the number one contender. A shocking, incredible moment from that period of time. But on the other channel... WCW may have won that night because they were going with Goldberg winning the title from Hulk Hogan in the Georgia Dome. And we're going to be watching both of those main events, doing a comparison of those final segments, what it was like flipping between the channels there as a fan in 1998. And we're picked that night to do it because Travis... Back in 1998, he was there in the Georgia Dome as a sixth grader there uh, in attendance to that. So Travis is going to share some memories of being at that incredible moment live. Should be a fun episode. Uh, two uh, really fun matches and moments to look back on, and we'll, we'll compare and contrast those. So be sure to be on the lookout for that in just a few days on July 1st. Finally, just want to say thanks again to our sponsor for this episode of the podcast and all of our episodes, Manscaped. You know, we talk about Hell in a Cell 1998 being one of the most memorable wrestling moments of all time. And if you want to prepare yourself for all the memorable moments in your life, you need to head over to manscaped.com. Use our promo code TAKEREASY for 20% off and free shipping. Now, uh, you know, Mankind, he was pulling thumbtacks out of his body on the night of Hell in a Cell. With Manscaped, uh, you can pull all that body hair out of your body. <laughs> you can shave your chest. You can shave your face. You can shave your head. You can shave your neck. You can shave your back. You can shave everywhere, parts unknown, everywhere below the belt in Death Valley with the Weed Whacker with the Lawn Mower, with the Beard Hedger. All of those incredible products are going to take care of you, give you whatever look you want to go with, and get you set and ready to go out the door. You 
know, like I said, we're talking Hell in a Cell, Mankind, he had his shirt and tie on. I mean, that that's great for his look. Uh, you need more than just a shirt and tie. You need to take care of your grooming, and Manscaped is going to do that for you. So please, check them out, manscaped.com. Use the promo code TAKEREASY for 20% off and free shipping. Thanks again to Manscaped. They have been incredible partners to us, and uh, we hope you will check them out. And we hope that you'll enjoy this classic episode of Talking Taker, Back from the Dead. Be sure you subscribed uh, wherever you're listening to this. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well to look out for the next brand new episode on July 1st. And take her easy. Right, everybody, welcome to episode number 47 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio. I am one of your co-hosts, one of the creatures of the night, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, Mr. Sniffles over there, Mr. <laughs> Travis White. I can't kick out. I can't kick out. I can't kick out these sniffles, man. East Tennessee got me down. Well, <laughs> I got something that's going to lift you up, man. I, I, I've got some good news for you, Travis. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. Travis, you are not the father. Oh, well, thank God. <laughs> good news for you. Good news. Good news. I am a father. You are a father. Of, of three, yeah, but not the father of this one, huh? So. Not the father of this one. Uh we're going to get into some DNA issues, some, uh, some a scenario that really could have used the help of uh, Maury Povich here on this talking yeah. taker. Uh, that's going to be a huge part of this episode, but more importantly, we are going to get into the Undertaker's matchup at King of the Ring 1998, the Undertaker versus Mankind in a sort of famous matchup. You might have heard about bit. it. Yeah, it just celebrated its 20th anniversary. Maybe the most famous matchup of the Attitude Era. Maybe the most famous uh, in WWF history. Certainly in the top 10, top 5, uh, without a doubt. The Undertaker versus Mankind in the Hell in a Cell. Wow, it is an insane match. And, you know, it's been talked about really to death. It's been analyzed to death. It's been on so many DVDs and video packages. And Nick Foley's... It's done a whole tour across the country, yeah, giving his year. story about it, talking about his books. And we weren't there. We weren't backstage. We don't have a lot of that sort of analysis to offer. So to discuss a match, you know, a lot of the matches we've discussed are not super overanalyzed. But uh, this one probably <laughs> is. So to do something a little bit different, a little bit later on in the show, we are going to give a watch-along live commentary. For this episode sort of like we did for the world rumble 1997 match we're gonna do that we'll give you the timestamp. we'll tell you when to queue it up on your wwe network and you can watch it along with us as we give our live analysis of what it's like to be a fan watching that match just like we all are so we'll do that a little bit later on we will go into our breakdown and try to hit the highlights of the build-up to this match and everything going on with the undertaker since we last left off with unforgiven 1998 if you don't watch it along with us, you can still enjoy it, uh, just like you could with that last episode, I think. But it'll be really fun if you queue it up along with us. But 
Hang tight. We'll give you that timestamp. We'll tell you when to come in. First of all, we're just going to dive head first into everything going on with The Undertaker here. And uh, we last left off with the Inferno match. Uh, Unforgiven 1998, The Undertaker defeated Kane and got his second victory over him. And he's going to roll in to building up to where he's going next by a huge matchup against none other than Barry Windham. <laughs> right? The stalker. No, at this point, he's NWA Barry Windham, oh, isn't he? Oh, man. Yeah, he's going to send and- him right out of the World Wrestling Federation right here, pretty much. I think he does, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, this is Raw 257, not after the Inferno match. Yeah, and it's, you think they'd follow up on this... Uh, you know, big, huge angle and this huge win um, with something a little more spectacular. But yeah, he's pretty much comes out and the you know, Undertaker squashes Barry Windham in under a minute. I think it was 44 seconds. So it was a little bit less than the John Cena match at WrestleMania yeah. 2018. And another but, um, time and place, that would have been a dream matchup, too. To I was thinking that, you yeah. know, Barry Windham's talked about so like highly as regards to his um his in-ring style and just how smooth he is in the ring and and you know, some of us remember him as a West Texas, West Texas redneck guy, but he was really a fantastic wrestler. He really is. And so, yeah, in another time, another day, another moment, this would have been a dream match. But here it's just a freaking squash, chokeslam, tombstone, one, two, three, it's over. Um, but the business really picks up after that. Well, yeah, just real quick before we jump into that, I just want to say something I've been meaning to say on the past couple episodes this is actually The Undertaker's first match on television since 1997. This match right here that takes place on the Raw after Unforgiven 1998. That's the first time Undertaker's wrestled on Raw in 1998, which is crazy this- to think about. All he's been doing is cutting promos and, and interacting with Kane and Paul Bearer. And I just wanted to raise that point you know, real quick, we don't have to dig super deep into it, but no, but yeah, it just goes to show how effective that can be by having, you know, a lot of these guys. Stone Cold doesn't wrestle on TV every week. Kane doesn't wrestle on TV every week, and I, I realize that, you know, they have three hours to fill nowadays, and you know, a lot more going on. But man, it really makes Undertaker feel special when, you know, he hasn't wrestled on TV in four months. You got to put your money down to see a yeah. guy like him wrestle and he's gonna wrestle a couple more times in this build-up but man just kind of crazy to think about it really is man and you know i know you said that they had three hours of raw and nitro's three hours and the main event guys weren't wrestling every night either Mm. though you know so like it's weird like um yeah nowadays everything's just overexposed and you get these wonderful matches that go on for 25 minutes but they don't mean anything you know but um yeah it's amazing i didn't even realize that till you pointed that out man he didn't wrestle for four months on the yeah you know, and this is, and they're beating the WCW at this point. You know, like in ratings, like how crazy. You know, and his first match is 44 seconds, and he beats Barry Windham. You know, what a great way to make a paycheck, honestly. Well, <laughs> he's earned it. He yeah. has, and they're beating WCW because of storytelling. And the yep. Undertaker Kane story, like you just said, is going to take a huge turn right here. What happens after this match? Oh, okay, so yeah, after this match, it, we got um, Undertaker calling out Kane on the mic, and he's like, last night, you looked into the eyes of the dragon, and you got burned, and first of all, now he's the dragon. Another so, new nickname. Yeah, another new, we got so many nicknames, so many. one day we'll have to tally these all up, so, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> he tells Kane that last night was only the beginning, and he asks him, or not asking, he tells him to come out and let's finish it, he says, I'm not moving 
he, excuse me, I'm not moving until you come out here, Kane. So basically demanding his brother comes out, uh, let's finish this. And uh, I have, he said, I have an, an eternity to wait for you. And so at this point, um, I think we go to commercial break, and after that yep. we come back, and this is, you know, we thought Paul Bear turning on Undertaker was a bombshell. You know, talked about how it's kind of like, you know, Empire Strikes Back moment and, and everything. Um, speaking of Empire Strikes Back, Luke, I'm your father. Um, here we go. We're going to have this kind of <laughs> bombshell. This could be the Empire Strikes Back moment right here. I didn't even think about that. But um, we come back, and Paul Bear delivers, delivers some – some some information here. It's going to take some Mari Povich to get to the bottom of. He just blurts out, <laughs> I, don't you understand, Undertaker? Last night it was my son whose hand was on fire, implying that, that Kane is his son. And then we cut to commercial again. It just goes yeah. away, and we end on that bombshell, and it just he just blurts it out, and it's this whole thing. And I honestly, I thought the revelation happened what we're going to talk about what happened next week on Raw and a very right. famous scene. I didn't realize that he admitted that Kane was his son right here, right then, which just, like you said, I mean, it, it blows this whole story up. It, it takes it to a different <laughs> different world. Yeah, a, a whole new world, if you will. Uh, and like <laughs> I will. Said, I can, I'll mention, yeah, of course you will. <laughs> this is last week, you know, you talked about the soap opera. I mean, this soap opera yes. is now... Yes. gone to new heights and it gives more reason for the Kane Undertaker story to continue you know because technically he's beaten him twice you know well technically three times as we mentioned last week talking about Ma- Manchester and Mayhem um or excuse me Mayhem and Manchester it's late guys but uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> anyway but uh, you know this soap opera is now at new heights here you know what a crazy thing but yeah it's going to prolong this this feud you know but also you know some take some twists and turns here as we go Oh, Lots of crazy, a, crazy goings on here. It takes a twist and turn the next week in a very famous segment. Uh, we are on Raw, what is this, May... 258. Oh, yeah, yeah. May, May, May 4th, 4th, yeah. May the 4th be with you. Star Wars, there you go. That, see? Look at that. <laughs> it, it all comes together, man. <laughs> Perfect. Um, uh, Jerry Lawler <laughs> is backstage supposed to interview Paul Bear, and I remember this so vividly, man, watching this live back in 1998. He's supposed to interview Paul Bear. And they throw to commercial. Paul Bear and Jerry Lawler do. All of a sudden, the camera gets set down, sort of on its side. And the way that they shoot it makes it look like the cameraman accidentally left the camera rolling. And we see Paul Bear and Jerry Lawler continuing to talk to each other and make small talk with each other. I literally thought... I thought this was a shoot watching this live, man. Uh, for Isn't a little awesome? bit. Yeah, yeah. Once they start really getting into it, I realize this is part of the angle. This is part of the storyline. Right. But at first, I was just, oh my God. These guys are out of character. Something's going on yeah. here. It's just so expertly well done. Um, and uh. <laughs> Jerry Lawler and Paul Bear play it off incredibly as they go into some very. Uh, very locker room talk, <laughs> very much. Uh, very not profane, but uh, a little bit here. A little bit. As Jerry yeah. tries to egg on Paul Bearer to tell him a little bit more about what happened that night at the funeral home where he slept with the Undertaker's mother. Tell me about what? I mean, what are you going to tell everybody about Kane? What is? What's the deal? I told everybody. You heard what I told him. I told the whole world he's my son. He is my son, Jerry. Is that simple? Come on. So you're telling me. He's my son. I can. 
I mean, you're telling me. You don't believe no, me. No, you're telling me you nailed the Undertaker's mother. Well, I nailed. nailed. Yeah. Well, no. Okay. Tell me. Well, how did it happen? I can't trust you. I'm t- I'll tell nobody. <sighs> Yeah, he did. I think it's funny that Paul Barrick decides to confide in Jerry Lawler. He of says, course. Oh, don't worry, I won't tell anyone. Of course. It's like, oh, but yeah, Paul Paul Barrick proceeds to tell how he was 19, you know, when he was coming back from the wrestling matches. I like that he said that he and his friends would go to the wrestling matches and come. Every Tuesday, yep. And he'd come back and he come basically claims that she seduced him from, you know, the get go. And his uh, virginity, uh, and Jerry Lawler says, what on the embalming table? And Paul Bear laughs. And no, it's on the kitchen floor. And Jerry Lawler gets off one of the lines of the podcast that we've had, asking Paul Bear if he slipped the salami to Paul Bear's mother. Yikes! Paul said, "You know, he wasn't uh, fat back then. You know, he was—he was a studly kind of looking guy." I like that. And King says, "Did you really bury your baloney in the?" <laughs> he just has the puns at the ready, dude. Oh, he's ready. Yeah, absolutely. He is. And, uh, man, yeah, he, Paul go, goes on to talk about some noises they were making and stuff like that. And then he hears little feet above his head, which um, if you're me, you think they're bats because that's what you got in your attic still. But anyway, right. um, he hears bat. He hears <laughs> not bats. He hears some feet coming down the steps. And he says, it's a good thing that I stopped because uh, – it was Entertainer, so um, he would have seen his mother with one leg in New York and the other in L.A. Oh my word! And <laughs> at that moment, as it should, the camera all of a sudden cuts off. That's yeah, too bad. So, it's too bad. <laughs> is it too bad? <laughs> I, I uh, this, this segment forever. <laughs> it's um, but man, I cannot, I cannot put over the execution of this segment. It is absolutely unique at this time you know later on we see stuff like gtv and wcw mary buff bagwell and kidman used to carry the like camcorders around backstage and you see stuff but like this is just so it explains why the camera is there and why the camera is on because we come back from commercial and jerry lawler is very very um what's the word like somber um, somber. yeah very yeah he's very somber and he's uh, you know ladies and gentlemen i need to apologize for what you just saw them you know, what just aired wasn't supposed to air, and um, I apologize if it offended anyone, which I'm sure it did. So, offends <laughs> <laughs> my ears. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, man, like the, that execution is absolutely amazing. I just, I love that. It was oh, so yeah. good. That's Russo all over. Like, again, for all the bad that. stuff. Yep. Yeah. So the stuff like, you know, meat and beaver cleavage you got, man, you got this, and this is Russo at its finest. So good. So obviously, hearing all this, hearing this talked about in such vivid detail, has upset the Undertaker, has you know just pissed him off very much. So the next week on Raw, he uh, tries to get revenge on the King. He attacks the King, comes out out of nowhere from out of the crowd, while the King and Jr. are talking about Mark Romero and Sable, and he beats the crap out of Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, as yeah. Jerry backpedals and says this was this wasn't his fault. All this sort of stuff gets into some more business with with Paul Bear and Kane, and Paul Bear says ne- uh, that he's going to prove after all of this that he's going to be Kane's father, which leads us to another ridiculous segment next week where Paul Bear and Kane go get a DNA test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 
<laughs> yeah, we're on Raw 260 here. This is May May 18th, and yeah, so we the show, the show opens up of this footage um, outside of a, a um, I guess a, a, a medical, medical facility. lab. Yeah, yeah, medical facility, a lab in Nashville. I'm sure I drove past this when I lived there for five years, so I did not see a giant man with a windbreaker. And a black ski mask on them. Because, ladies and gentlemen, when you see when you see the monster Kane, you think when he's out of this wrestling ring, he's wearing a black ski mask and a purple windbreaker. Oh my! It's his casual outfit. <laughs> casual Monday. <laughs> he looks awful. They couldn't think of anything better to do than that. So, but yeah. Why wouldn't he we just wear the chain mask? I know. Why does he, well, why does he wear a ski mask over his head? He must have, and because later on, I want to, when we talk about something else that happens at Paul Bear's house when he's looking a little casual, uh, I want to talk about Kane's mask there too. Okay. But um, yeah, but yeah, this is the uh, they they use the term medical facility, and that's the debut of that word here on Talk and Taker. I don't know if it's uh, debuted on actual Raw or anything, but I remember when we were talking about um. The Bret Hart matches and stuff. They said they said hospital over and over again. So yeah. that's yeah. the debut of that word here, medical facility, and you will hear it twenty years later. Nowadays, they never say hospital. So, but uh, yeah, so Paul Bear and Kane are both getting their blood drawn, and uh, <laughs> Paul Bear says, "I'm going to show people I'm Kane's daddy." <laughs> He's so excited <laughs> he about is. it. He's a proud <laughs> He's so happy. He is. He is. Can't blame him. You know. Yeah, we've got a doctor in the ring, Dr. Charles Woolsey, allegedly. That says, oh, I'll, I'll put a picture of him on social media, don't you worry. <laughs> I got a snapshot of him already. Well, he you, lets us know that. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, without any uncertainty, after exhausting all of our analytical methods in determining fatherhood, Paul Bearer is the biological father of Cain. What did I tell you? Of Cain. So... <sighs> Kane and Bear immediately come out just ecstatic about all of this. Paul Bear says, the, well, oh, go ahead. The, they should have come out and, I mean, I know they're happy with the news, but this guy should have his medical license revoked. He <laughs> violated HIPAA laws on national television. Just, you know, patient, doctor, confidentiality. He just spewed this on TV. So, I wow. mean, come on. You know doctors in wrestling don't have the greatest <laughs> reputation. That's true. And, well, yeah, exactly. But, yeah. about that. Hey, oh, but yeah, here comes Kane and Paul Bear, and yeah, like you said, proud papa. So he says, uh, Paul Bear says, "I'm not the little boy who cried wolf. I'm the fat man that tells the truth." <laughs> Was that supposed to rhyme? Or something? I, I just, think so. Oh, I love the way it. he I said it, it, it sounded like it rhymed. <laughs> oh yeah, because I think he said, "I'm not the, yeah, I'm not the boy who hollered wolf." So, <laughs> I'm the boy who hollered wolf. Like what? I had to rewind it and see what he said. Well, uh, that uh, you know. Paul Bear goes on to call Undertaker's mother a, uh, a two-bit. Woo. <clears throat> well, you know. And uh, yeah. Undertaker, that brings Undertaker out, of course. Uh, him and him and Kane getting a pull-apart brawl again, which actually leads Vader out. Because all this time, you would think we'd be <laughs> building up to another Undertaker and Kane match for the third time. Nope. Undertaker, excuse me, Kane's going to be facing Vader, uh, who interfered in the Inferno match. They're going to be facing each other at Over the Edge, which is the May pay-per-view. In, of all things, a mask versus mask match with the loser must unmask. Which, you know, I don't know, Travis. I've watched a lot of Vader matches, and I'm thinking about 75% of them, 
I've seen his mask come off. (laughs) I don't really know. I've never understood what this stipulation in this match was, why it was supposed to be such a big deal. Oh, my Uh, God, we're going to see Vader unmask? You could already see half his face through the mask anyway. If I took a shoestring right now and wrapped it around my head, I would be wearing Vader's mask. (laughs) You wouldn't be wondering what I look like. like, Exactly. Yeah, everyone knows what he looks like. Yeah, he takes his mask off all the time, but... They had to try something, you know, put some stakes. Like we've been talking about, when there are stakes in the match, it makes the match even better, you know? Sure. And there are stakes on that match, you know, uh, but I guess they were trying. But it doesn't matter because it doesn't last anyway. <laughs> no. Nothing, at this point in, in WWF history, any stipulation they make doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> uh, well, as we get to this stuff here, you know, they say this is going to happen if so-and-so loses. It doesn't matter. They'll bring them back the next week, so whatever. Yeah. But, um... So, yeah, I just wanted to say that when Undertaker comes out here and he starts attacking, um, you know, once his once his mom gets called a two bit, you know what? Um, he rushes the ring. And he's just got he's full of intensity, man. Yeah. Like you know, you think it's a shoot, honestly. Yeah. Same way I'd react if someone called my mom that, you know. Um, comes out and he choke slams Kane, and Kane choke slams choke slams him back and um, chokes him on the ground. And like I said, like I said, Vader Vader comes out and uh, Taker finally gives you know gets. Uh, chases Paul Bear uh, to the back, I think, and then Kane retreats up the ramp and chases him. So, But the crowd just loves seeing Paul Bear get his butt handed to him, you know. Um, it's And it's deserved it, you know. You're saying this stuff about someone's mom, dude, like, and, you know, rubbing it in his face that you slept with his mom. So it's like, are you serious? Like, as if we didn't hate you already for, you know, turning on Taker two years ago. Here you go, man. Like, this is icing on top. You know, you're despicable. <laughs> the only fight I ever got in in school was in the second grade when a kid <laughs> said – to me that your mama is so fat she sat on a rainbow and made skittles and i punched him in the face and then when i went to the principal's office i told him what happened and he said well i understand and uh (laughs) i didn't get in trouble for it so yeah i mean i'm right there with the undertaker man i'm right there with him understood Uh, somebody call my mama solidarity uh but what is happening with The Undertaker at Over the Edge? Let's find out on the next week, May 25th, Raw 261. Tell us uh, how we find out what Undertaker's role is going to be at that pay-per-view. So, I believe this is episode where, isn't Austin have Vince McMahon arrested at the beginning of this one? Yeah. So, Austin's got Vince arrested. You know, they've, Austin's been arrested, and now he's getting Vince arrested, and Austin is allowed to, I mean, excuse me, Vince is allowed to get out of his arrest, I guess, if he, um, allows a special enforcer during the world title match because the title match is supposed to be Austin versus Dude Love at Over the Edge. And so um, – With Vin- Vince McMahon's going to be the referee for it. Pat Patterson's right. going to be the ring announcer. Gerald Briscoe's going to be the timekeeper. They're building it up like Austin's just guaranteed to get screwed over here. Yeah, exactly. And Vince is acting all cocky. He's like, it's okay. You know, you can have a special enforcer because nobody intimidates me. You know, um, I'm not intimidated by anybody. So um, – it's just crazy uh, because I think um, during this is when uh, the main event of the ma- of this actual episode of Raw 261 is Undertaker versus Austin. It's supposed to be on this match, but uh, Vince is a special referee for this match uh, on Raw, and he's showboating and flexing. And man, that dude is ripped. I he forgot was. how big Vince is. Yeah. He's like 52 years old here. He looks amazing. But um, but you know, Taker takes exception to all this showboating and just winds up choke slamming Vince to a pop. So hey, we're we're starting this. Um, a lot of stuff happening here that's going to affect the rest of the, the remainder of the calendar year. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time Undertaker's ever had any 
interaction with Vince McMahon on this level. First time he's ever right. assaulted him, and you know they will go on a few years from now to have a have a match in this podcast exploration as well. Yeah. So building up to something that happens a long, long time from now, but a lot of interaction, like you said, this is uh, we're setting the stage here for the next half of 1998, really. Yeah, and beyond. <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he does a throat slash and a huge ovation because the crowd knows what's next is a tombstone, you know. So he goes to get a tombstone on, on Vince, and uh, Kane comes out, and they just start brawling in the ring, and then over the top rope, and then they go into the crowd. And I just, you know, want to m- note here that I miss these crowd brawls. You know, some people say they were overused, Attitude Era. Sure, maybe they were, but when they were used at the right spots, it was amazing. Oh yeah. Particularly like this main event and Over the Edge is going to have some. They just. They're so good when they're used correctly, and when they do them now on TV, you know they're 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 used so sparingly that they do mean something. Yeah, it seems. But Seth Rollins had one a few months ago. I can't remember yep. what the match was, uh, but he had one, and uh, same thing. Yeah, it was really great. It was really fun. Yeah. So this is not really um, an actual match between Austin and Taker here. It's more of an angle, but it brings together all these storylines. And yep. we're going to mention a lot yep. of Austin and Kane and Dude Love as we and Mick Foley as we continue on as this build to uh, Hell in a Cell here, or to the King of the Ring, excuse me. Well, let's touch on the pay-per-view right before that. It's Over the Edge, 1998. Like we said, Undertaker doesn't have a match, but he is going to end up being the special enforcer in the main event. Yep. Uh, as just about as the match is about to start between Dude Love and Stone Cold Steve Austin, Vince Man's about to ring the bell when all of a sudden the Undertaker's bell tolls. Vince has a great reaction, just this big <laughs> gulp yeah. in his throat. He's terrified of the Undertaker coming out. Uh, everyone's wondering, you know, is the Undertaker on Vince McMahon's side? Is he here to just continue to stack the odds against Stone Cold? Or is he the enforcer that's going to make Vince McMahon officiate fairly? And, you know, it's a great match. It's I was telling you before we started here, just re-watching it, I think, I think it's my favorite WWF match of all time. Uh, it's right. Uh, the other one I always used to say is Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart from SummerSlam 91 is up there. Mm. Bret Hart and Owen Hart from WrestleMania 10 is up there. But, man, this one, as far as a storytelling goes, and, and you mentioned just, just a straight-up sports entertainment match, it's... It's perfect from beginning to end, and it, it ends with Undertaker. Get, I mean, excuse me, with Stone Cold getting the win after Undertaker choke slams Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson <laughs> through the tables on the outside. Uh, just awesome. wild spots, and there's a big stare down between Undertaker and Austin as the show ends. Uh, as you know, a little bit of respect, but a little bit of all right. I think I think it's time for us to to maybe face off uh, me for Undertaker to come after this belt. He's given him that kind of look here, too. So, you know, just a uh, Undertaker plays a role in one of the, in my opinion, one of the best matches in WWF history. Oh, yeah, and I specifically remember watching this at your house, man. Um, you, I guess, did you have this pay-per-view, or did we rent it from Big Yard or something? Yeah, I ordered it and recorded it. When, or, yeah. Back when you could do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you, I remember you telling me, because I remember what, not looking forward to it, honestly, that much, because I was like, dude, love, man, come on, I don't want to see this. But then you sold me on it, and I remember watching it, and afterward, man, I mean, just watching it with you, I mean, I just marked out for all of it, because like you said, man, it's like the perfect sports entertainment match. Like, you want to see the difference between, you know, NWA, old, you know, Hogan Andre wrestling versus the Attitude Era? This match has everything. It checks every right. single mark for 
for sports entertainment versus wrestling, you know, wrestling. So it's awesome. Please go out of your way to watch it. But Taker does play a role there. It sets up stuff for the future here. Let's roll on to uh, Raw 262 on the ne- next night on June 1st, um, 98. A very so. famous moment here as the <laughs> the beginning of it's kind of not quite as famous LOD and Draws are facing the DOA in a Chicago street fight out in the driveway of the building <laughs> when all of a sudden you see this shadowy figure walk down that driveway. It looks like the big show, man. I was like, wait, yeah, uh, we're a year early for that. But it's Undertaker <laughs> dressed like casual Monday in his sweatsuit. <laughs> and he sends, uh, he sends the Underfaker chains, puts him on a, this <laughs> luggage cart and just oh, like yeah. rolls him down the uh, driveway. I don't know if that spot was planned. I don't it, know. You could tell it was not. Yeah. He tried to turn him sideways and he rolled because the camera guy gets ran over. Like, he has to move out of the way. But um, yeah, man. This is awesome. He beats everybody up, walks into the building, through, the, <clears throat> and he walks into the arena by the side of the entryway, doesn't walk yeah. down the ramp, no music, just in his street nope. clothes, and delivers a pretty famous uh, quote-unquote shoot interview. If you look up on YouTube, under, it comes up all the time, Undertaker yeah. shoot interview on Raw, and it's a pretty crazy promo. It really is, man. It's the first time we've seen him like this. You know, he's got sunglasses, a black sweatshirt, black sweatpants. I mean, so he's he's all, you know, he's even more relaxed than we saw him in our last episode, talking about him in the cutoff jeans and and you know, or cutoff shirt and jeans. So he's even more casual here with his sweats. <laughs> kind of an homage to his future partner, his future uh, uh, opponent here, Mankind. So taking a page out of Mankind's playbook here. But, uh, yeah, this is that shoot promo going again. We use that in quotes, but this has got Russo written all over it, too, you know. And he just starts out, you know, and I'll, we'll try to sum it up here because it's we, – we don't have time to break it all down. But, you know, basically let's start at the beginning, you know, he says. It's 10 years ago. You know, Vince was known by, as someone who gave guys an opportunity. He gave me the chance to be taker, you know. Um, but then shortly after, he says, I became the Slayer of Dragons. So a couple a couple weeks ago, he says he, he was, was a dragon. dragon. Now he's, yeah, <laughs> now he's a Slayer of Dragons. So. Here in the World Wrestling Federation, I became the Slayer of the Dragons. Now you're asked, what do I mean by that? Vince McMahon knew that I would be loyal for him giving me an opportunity. So what he did is he put every giant, every freak that he knew his hand-picked champions couldn't beat, and he sicked me on them. And I beat them, I destroyed them, and I moved on. What I did for Vince McMahon was make his kingdom safe for himself and all of his hand-picked champions. And he goes on and saying that, you know, I did get my opportunity. I am a two-time WWF champion, he said, but um, my tenure didn't last very long because um, there were, um, you know, other people there than Vince did one representing the World Wrestling Federation. And um, But then he says, you know, I remain loyal, stood by his side, and, he forces me to fight my own brother and air our dirty laundry on television, and uh, it's all for ratings, which that's just a kayfabe-crushing like blow right there, you know? 
talking about ratings because if you're a casual fan, you're like, what the heck is he talking about? But right, you know, right. this is that Vince Russo workshoot, you know, behind the scene things. And but I love this next moment. He said, he's you know, even after all that, I never lost my smile, which mm. that's just a little dig at Sean. Yep. And you know, meanwhile, you know, Austin comes up and after years of mistreatment, he's or he goes to the top and nothing against him, but the only thing he ever did was fight me, you know, and. Um, I've had enough, and it's time for Undertaker to get what's his, and I demand a shot at the title. So I tried well, to sum that it, up. But yeah, that's, that's what it all comes it down to. He he wants the WWF Championship opportunity. Kind of similar. We saw a little bit of this last year in 1997 when he was he was saying, you know, he's kind of been passed over a little bit. Yeah, he deserves the title. Now he's saying it again, and Vince McMahon finally comes out after all this and says to Undertaker, "You want to talk about loyalty?" Dedication, honor, all those qualities you have. I'll grant you that. And I'm appreciative for it. But you know, let's face it. What have you done for Vince McMahon lately? He tells Undertaker, he asks Undertaker if it's true, if his mother really was a, uh, uh, you know, and uh, says Undertaker, you can have your yeah. WWF title shot if you can beat your brother Kane tonight. So we're going to get a number one contendership. For King of the Ring yeah. tonight, Undertaker versus Kane. Uh, they have a pretty good TV match for the main uh, event. My here. favorite match of theirs, three, you think honestly. So? Yeah. I think, as far as in ring, because they're rushed for time, they had to make they had to pick up the pace a little bit, you know? This they couldn't good. do that, you know, methodical. I think it's probably the best in ring product, you know, if you're going to go Melter style here. <laughs> well, I enjoyed the commentary because we have J.R. King, Vince, and Austin all no, on commentary for this, so for this match. It's great. <laughs> I, I love, love it. 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 It is worth going out and seeing. Uh, Undertaker bust out a Russian leg sweep in the middle of this yep. match. <laughs> Stone Cold even calls it. He goes, "Oh, a new trick from an old dog." Yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. Of the match. What, what is what has Kane done to deserve a title shot? You know, I mean, like he's I lost twice. He did beat Vader the, the night before, <laughs> I guess. But, uh, but who? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, two losses to Undertaker. Uh, but they. Uh, what ends up happening is Mankind runs out. Earlier in the night, he was fired by Vince McMahon as Mick Foley slash Dude Love. Well, now he's right. coming out to try to impress Vince McMahon as Mankind gives the mandible claw to The Undertaker, which distracts Undertaker. Uh, Kane is able to get a tombstone and get the pinfall on The Undertaker to become yeah. the number one contender for King of the Ring. So Stone Cold is going to now pair off with Kane. And Mankind is going to pair off with Undertaker. That's going to give us our double main event for King of the Ring 1998. Yeah, it's really neat how they just kind of wove these two things together and uh, made it happen. I mean, you know, there's not too much build from here on out. But um, it's really neat, though, just how they just kind of did whatever they did and made it happen, you know. Because I think that um, even Bruce Pritchard was saying on his most recent episode when they covered – they covered this match, you know, talking about how you know, they could have gone with, you know, Kane and Taker again or something, or or they didn't want to, or they they wanted to do Foley and uh, and Austin and yeah, uh, three months and in Austin a row. again. Excuse me, yeah, three months in a row. That was just too much. So they had to change something. But then they're going to go with Mick Foley and and uh, Taker again. But it's like, well, they've done that a thousand times. We've covered that for half our forty-seven episodes. I feel like of them too. So it's just um. But they give us a little special something here. But it is neat because as they're brawling at the end of this episode of Raw, that uh, Jr. says they're going to have to settle this match in hell, which is just mm. a little foreshadowing what's to come. So, but um, this whole episode of Raw plants the seeds for everything, 
you know, else that's going to go on the rest of the year. Or not plant seeds. Waters, waters the seeds has been planted, you know, at, over the edge. It's just good, great storytelling, man. Awesome. Absolutely. Uh, and it, I mean, and the storyline going into King of the Ring, it's good stuff here. Uh, we're going to kind of blow through it because uh, we don't want to make this the, you know, three-hour episode. We could talk about oh, all yeah. of it. It's great stuff. It's worth going out of your way to go and watch all these Raws. But the general storyline here is they're sort of building it this tension between Undertaker and Steve Austin. Like they're trying to play in. Obviously, Vince McMahon is trying to screw over Stone Cold, get the title off of him. He's got Mankind on his side. He's got Paul Baron Kane on his side. He's trying to manipulate Stone Cold, and they're trying to make it seem like Undertaker might also be on Vince McMahon's side. Like there might be this huge, giant conspiracy going on against Steve Austin. So that kind of goes on the next week uh undertaker comes out <laughs> and is just his sweats again yeah he is in his sweats again <laughs> he's got a ponytail he's got sunglasses on he's interrupting matches all through the night interrupting chains and draws interrupting Man- thank god mark henry and vader yeah exactly choke slam who everybody. has his mask on vader has his mask back on at that you're point. right sorry <laughs> two weeks later <laughs> yeah um, and he's saying, I want McMahon. I want McMahon. He's frustrated. He's he's upset about last week, uh, and he wants uh, to have a word with Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon's supposed to have this big, grand – it's like Vince McMahon Appreciation Night. He, he, humanitarian Award, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, as it's going on, Stone Cold, of course, comes out and interrupts it when all of a sudden – a bunch of the bargain store Dollar General druids come out with a with a casket. We think it's going to be Undertaker, but nope. Mankind pops out from under the ring. Kane pops up out of the casket. They attack Stone Cold, and uh, Austin gets tossed into the casket at the end of that night. So it's kind of we don't see Undertaker come out of the casket. We don't see him rescue right. Stone Cold. We're wondering, what does Undertaker have to do with all this? Because they come out yeah. to Undertaker's music, they do his casket gimmick, all that sort of stuff. And he's allegedly, like, you know, barricaded by cops, running cops backstage or something. Yeah. So they explain why he wasn't there, but as next week will tell us, was he in on this or not, you know? So, um, the next week of Raw is basically continuing this story. There's a hell in a cell hanging above the ring. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is weird to see on Raw. I, I've forgotten about this, that this took place. This is the week, two weeks before? This, the, this before, is two uh, weeks before King of the Ring. Yeah, yeah this is actually and, the second ever Hell in a Cell match. Takes place yeah. on this Raw, not at King of the Ring. <laughs> yeah, technically. So, yeah, basically, again, try to make this go quicker. Um, You know, Austin comes out and talks to Vince, and Vince is claiming the Undertaker planned all this stuff last week, and, you know... Uh, Taker's, you know, Taker is from the dark side anyway. He might as well be the devil himself. And Taker comes out and says, "I do, I did challenge you like a man. Like I'm not going to do something behind your back." And tells Vince, which a great line here. He says, "You make a living manipulating the minds of those weaker than you, <laughs> but you will never be able to manipulate the mind of the Undertaker." Which is really cool, uh, and that will come into play later on in this podcast, uh, future episodes. Uh, but um. Basically, Kane, Mankind, and Paul Bear. So the the Paul Bear family, because didn't Mankind call him Uncle Paul? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Once the Bear, the Bear fam, Bear family's out here. And basically, long story short, they congr- they invite you know Taker and Austin to um to uh, a, a tag team Hell in a Cell match tonight. So 
Yeah, Steve, that's the storyline here. Steve Austin and Undertaker versus Mankind and Kane in the main event in a Hell in a Cell match. That's going to be the main event of the show. Um, before that, under, excuse me, Mankind and Kane compete in the first ever tag team Royal Rumble. <laughs> Where'd for, this come from? For a tag team title shot before the Hell in a Cell match. I mean, yeah. we're getting on Raw. Unadvertised on an episode of Raw, we're getting a tag team Royal Rumble for the first time ever, and a tag team Hell in a Cell match, the second ever Hell in a Cell match. I mean, this <laughs> yeah. is Crash TV in a yeah. nutshell, dude. Back to back, we're getting all of that happening unadvertised. It's just wild. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's nuts. Uh, it doesn't mean, it's super entertaining. It's... Oh, yeah. Oh, this I mean, one no other thing is super it. entertaining. Oh, absolutely. It's throughout the night, Kevin Kelly is asking Taker and Austin if they trust each other, and Taker has the perfect line. He says, how can you trust somebody who lives by the motto, don't trust anybody? It's true. Which I, I couldn't have said better myself. So, um, but yeah, why don't you tell us what happens in the in the match here? Because, again, like you said, Kane and Mankind win this number one contenders tag team title match. They're still in the ring, and then the cell starts to lower. The, stel- the cell starts to lower. Paul Bear calls out Austin Undertaker, and you know, I, Mankind delivered a promo here, made yeah. very poetic, and you know, like a few weeks ago, I, I got to read off Doc Hendricks' poetry. I, I thought, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to do a dramatic reading of, of Mankind's poetry here before we oh. you know, take a little break. We're, you know. we, we we're the sidewalk-ins with Mankind. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here we go. Listen up, one. Listen up, all, to Mankind and Kane and dear Uncle Paul. Because after tonight, you'll hear all the stories they'll tell About how Stone Cold Steve Austin suddenly fell But bad news for you, dead man Not because our team's winning For it's not the end, it's just the beginning Because look all around you, steel bars and mesh They'll break your bones, they'll rip at your flesh Because the king of the ring, it's my turn to play I guarantee, dead man, it won't be a nice day Oh, excuse me. Yeah, give me a snap. There we go. Fantastic. I love it. I didn't know so we had so much poetry on this podcast. I had no idea. Yeah, no idea. Very, very beautiful promo from Mankind here as the cell lowers, and we just get kind of a big giant schmoz to end the show. Yeah. It's really fun. It's not really a match. Technically, it is. Right. And on the network, they have the extra attitude after Extra the mustard show. or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bell rings, man. There's a pinfall. There's a... There's a finish. Austin and Undertaker technically win this match, but basically uh, somehow uh, uh, Austin ends up outside of the cage with Mankind and Kane. Paul Bear is all alone in the cell, and Undertaker pops Locks up himself the in, yeah. Yeah, he's locked in the rig. And Undertaker beats the mess out of Paul Bear. Dude, I will never get tired of Undertaker beating up Paul Bear. <laughs> Me just, Does another blade old. job, too. Yeah. <laughs> Which... With the blade. And, like, my only problem here in the whole entire thing, Kane comes out and tries to get in the cell. Didn't he rip the door off back in October mm, when he debuted? Touche. He ripped the freaking door off a locked cell, but here he can't get in. So that's my only little thing, my little beef. I have to nitpick here. But, yeah, Bear with a blade job, which, again, that's two unnecessary blade jobs for Paul Bear in the last few weeks. But that leads us into the next week. Um where because he was bleeding and beaten to a pulp by Undertaker here, which the crowd loves, they're in a frenzy. Oh, yeah. This crowd this night, I don't remember which city they were in, 
But man, they got a freaking treat with this oh episode of Raw. Gosh. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, awesome. But um, that leads us moving on to the next week before we get to this watch along is uh, Raw 265, June 22nd. Paul Bear is at home via satellite and is uh, healing from his beating last week. And he's wearing a, was he wearing like a, a bathrobe? A bathrobe. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's got this picture. I don't know if it's shown here or maybe later, but he's got this picture on the wall, a framed picture of Kane in his wrestling outfit. And it's, it's just like, if you have a picture of your son on your wall, do you have him in his wrestling mask? And his outfit? Like, I would, I really wish it would have been a picture with the ski mask with the windbreaker. <laughs> that would have been incredible. That would have been great. I would have loved that. <laughs> oh, would have been amazing. So. Well, he's there at home. He's watching the show live as Vince McMahon brings out Kane to open the show. And it's at this point we hear Kane speak for the very first time. Vince gives him this big pep mm. talk for the WWF Championship match. He can't wait for someone to take the title off of Stone Cold. Tells Kane it's going to be his destiny and says that this match between Kane and Stone Cold is going to be a first in the WWF, which I didn't realize. Me neither, yeah. man. They're going to have a no first idea. blood match, and it is the first one in WWF history. I, I never realized that. I had no clue. I just assumed it had been around, you know. I knew right. this match was first blood, but I didn't know it was the first first blood match. Yeah. So well, Vince asked yeah, Kane and- to speak publicly for the first time to say what else the contract states. Uh, oh, and, and what, does he, what does he say here? He says, if I don't win the title, I will set myself on fire. Is that pretty good? good? That's pretty good. Good. <laughs> and Paul Bear flips out at home. He's it shows him watching. He's uh he's flipping out. But um, I remember watching this live as a kid and thinking how weird it was, you know, to hear Kane speak, you know, and uh, it was it blew my mind, you know. A lot of new stories being told here in the Undertaker saga. So much stuff, and it blows my mind that we now have a suicide stipulation for the Pro <laughs> Wrestling Federation Championship. This title means so much, I will kill myself if I don't. That's if what's I happening lose. here. He says he will kill himself if he doesn't win. Oh, oh man, you're not going to see this on SmackDown Live on Fox, people. No, not, no, 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 no. Um, no. We go back to Paul Bearer via satellite at home and he just says, well, you know, when Kane has something in his mind, he's going to stick to it, uh, but he's not going to have to do anything like that because I'm going to get off my sick bed. I will be at ringside with my son at King of the Ring like, I, like I've been with him for his entire life. Um, Kane goes on to face Road Dog later in the match, <laughs> later on in the night. Uh, I love Road Dog. Oh, dude. Kane did not. Kane destroyed him. No. Kane, Kane got a big win <laughs> yeah. over Road Dog. Uh, and... <laughs> Paul Bear is distracted watching this and, and doesn't hear uh, doesn't hear what's going on in the back of his house, I guess. Yeah, at this point you get the Undertaker entering his house. He comes into frame on this in the via satellite and he says, You think I forgot where you live? Undertaker, I don't care what you do. I'm gonna be there this Sunday for my son's finest hour. I thought that was a great line. That was a great line. You can't forget where you live. And he just delivers a 
right fist, right to Paul Bear's beak, man. He's <laughs> just beating him up. And there's a woman screaming in the background. Who is that? Who is this? Who is this his that? new lady? Yeah, There's right. a new lady that's not Taker's mom because she's burned. <laughs> Got choke slammed into her casket oh, last, week, or yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah. But um, there's some woman screaming in the background, and this is um, Undertaker's just beating up Bear and throwing furniture around the house and throwing breaking the TV. And this is as confirmed or allegedly confirmed on Paul on Richard's recent, most recent podcast that um, this is where both Taker and Paul Bear kind of tweaked their ankles. Uh, real bad during this brawl. Yeah, uh, just, they broke their ankles, fake fighting in a in a house throwing furniture around. Exactly. Like it's crazy. Exactly, <laughs> crazy. I think you can see it. You know, Undertaker throws a dresser on top of yeah. Paul Bear, and then just stumbles back onto the couch and sit like falls down, sits yeah. on the couch. I think that's when he rolls his ankle. And you can see Paul Bearer fall awkwardly too. I think he, I think they have basically the same injury. They both yeah. hit their legs or their ankles or something. It is hilarious to think about. Yeah, six days out of this pay per view, these two guys <laughs> get hurt doing this. Yeah. Not in a real wrestling scenario, but doing this stupid stuff. That's a bitch. Steve Austin has like a staph infection. He goes to the hospital for like four that days. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, also, future Hall of Famer Edge debuts on this night of Raw. Just want to throw that in there. He'll remember that name, ladies and gentlemen. He'll come into play a little bit later. We will come uh, into talking about him much, much more later on the show. But yeah, a, a historic debut here on this episode of Raw. And uh, you know, Break- sh- go ahead. What? I was saying, breaks the guy's neck. Oh, God. first match. Yeah, <laughs> another injury. Jeez. <laughs> Something's in the air on this show. Something's in the of water, Raw. man. Yeah, uh, oh, and this man. is the show that has the famous angle where Austin's in the ring. Excuse me, Austin's in the ring wearing a white baseball jersey for the first time. Yeah, in his life. first time ever. You knew something's out, up. Yeah, drops some blood onto him to scare him, psych him out for the first blood match that Sunday. Uh, Mankind cuts a promo here on Undertaker. A really good promo. Calls yeah. Undertaker a coward for attacking Paul Bearer. Uh, the cell drops down around him as he's cutting his promo. So, yeah, uh, those are the two big matches going into the King of the Ring. Uh, it's kind of a double main event here. Undertaker and Plus the King of the Ring itself, you know, which is always King exciting. King of the Ring tournament you know? itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a huge pay-per-view. So, it really is. It feels like a you know a mania type. Build. I mean, there hasn't been much build to these matches, honestly. I mean, they kind of threw these together, you know, in the last two weeks, but... As far as like you know, star quality and you know your anticipation for the matches, it's a really big, really big card. You know, they've done a great job at selling it and bringing it in there, um, especially for you know, this. Like you said, it's it's Undertaker, Mankind. We've seen a lot of. It's actually, I believe. I mean, our listeners could correct me if I'm wrong. This for for this matchup here, this is going to be the fifth time they've ever faced on pay per view here at King of the Ring '98. Yeah which up to this point is the record for the most times really? of a singles match two guys have ever faced each other on pay-per-view. Wow. Uh, I think it's broken you know, uh, after this, of course. Uh, oh, John people, Cena and Randy Orton. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely they faced each other like 15 times. But up they to break this it point, in one calendar year. <laughs> right. Up to this point, this is match number five for them, and no wow. two guys have ever faced each other on pay-per-view that much in See? WWF history. Freaking Undertaker, man. He's got so many, so much cool stuff, cool yeah. history. Well, let's talk about it. Uh, we want you right now to queue up the WWF Network 
we are going to, the time cue is going to be one hour, 46 minutes, 23 seconds. So if you're using a streaming app that has the timestamps on there, it should be, you just go to the one that says Undertaker, Mankind, Hell in a Cell, and that should put you yeah. right there. Uh, I know on my on the Apple TV it doesn't have those timestamps, so I believe the time queue is just one hour, forty six minutes, twenty three seconds. Go ahead and pull that up on King of the Ring nineteen ninety eight. If you need to pause the show here for a minute, uh, you can go ahead and do that as you queue it up. Or if you just want to listen to us, give our live streaming thoughts uh, and aren't going to watch it, then you know feel free. But uh, we encourage you to watch along with us. We're going to do our best to talk about just a little bit more of the historical significance of this match and kind of give that interaction of watching this match really for the first time in, in 20 years. And I haven't seen yeah. it in, in a long, long time uh, until watching it now. So it's going to be really exciting, really fun to watch along with you, my, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. We'll try not to step on each other, each other too much, but I'm sure we'll both have the same things to say at the same time. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes, ladies and gentlemen. So you let me know when you're ready to push play. I'm ready to go. You want to give him a countdown? Oh, yes, I do. All right, ready? Three, two, one, go. All right, of course, we've got JR and King on commentary. I mean, famously, man, you know, Mankind and King, excuse me, Mankind and Undertaker, obviously, this is the match that Mankind is associated with for all time. Right. But you could say, too, this is the match that, puts JR on the map historically. You know, JR is a legend without a doubt, even without this match, but this sure. is the one. Still to this day, there's memes and, and all this sort of and videos made with the commentary for this match. So it not only puts the wrestlers on the map, it it makes JR a legend in a lot of ways too. It does. You'll see it on ESPN all I mean you'll see those you know right. every between all, between September and February of every year. If you get a hard hit in a in a football game um, whether college or NFL, you're going to have, by God, he's broken in half. Always. You know? To this day, 20 years later. Okay, right now, right now, this is a close end of a first blood match. A uh, little, little, you know, something somebody in the, made from home and, and, and brought a little sign. But, Mike, this is the Hell in a Cell match. Why are we zooming in on the first blood? Good job, but why are we zooming it, in on it that? It is a cool sign, though. I, I do like that sign. It is cool. But thanks a lot, cameraman. So mankind is coming out here with a chair, and I'd just like to say I appreciate corporate mankind here. He's got a, he's dressed up. He's got a black tie and a white shirt on. And this is our first look at that. Really, uh, I think I think he had it on Raw the week before. But yeah. again, it's going into that storyline. He, he has uh, he's been fired as Dude Love, and he, now he's trying to come back and, and impress <laughs> Vince McMahon. That's why he's gone heel again, and he's gonna continue on. For the rest of his time as mankind, he will wear the suit and tie. <laughs> yes. You know, it, it ties. I think a lot of people probably don't know why he wore that. Right. But it all goes back to this. This is the first yep. real pay per view match that he wore this outfit for and changed yeah. up his look for that. Pretty cool. Once again, Undertaker, man, cornerstone of the freaking World Wrestling Federation. So much stuff is a genesis with him. So here's mankind. He's checking, checking to make sure this is a secure facility. He's walking in. Doing a little turnaround, and here he's going to decide something very unique that I believe Terry Funk told him. Why don't you tell us what that is? Yeah, famously here, mankind <clears throat> is going to start. He's going to about to throw this chair up to the top of the cell. 
Uh, good toss Thank God he right made there. It. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and he's going to start the match on top of the cell. And as you mentioned, he slips. <laughs> he's a little slip right there. Uh, Terry Funk gave him this idea. They were talking about, you know, how can we make this match different from the first Hell in a Cell match? How can we top it? We talked about on our podcast on episode 42, I think it was. Uh, I think so. 43. Um, 42, yeah. Uh, of that Hell in a Cell match is one of the best WWF matches of all time. How do you top it? Yeah. And, and that's kind of the story here. This match. Yeah. It's an escalation of everything, man. You know, they're not, not only are they having to escalate from the Hell in a Cell, that first Hell in a Cell, you know, just a couple months ago, we had people setting people on fire. <laughs> yeah, the Over yeah. the Edge main event was crazy and awesome. Yep. Uh, we had a Hell in a Cell on TV two weeks right. beforehand. Like, and these guys have faced each other on pay-per-view four times. Like, It's almost like they backed themselves into a corner where they have to do these wild and crazy spots that we're about to see. So yeah, oh, yeah. they have to escalate it. you know, For sure. As and we I, see The Undertaker coming out here. And right before Undertaker's music hits here, JR says, uh, can you imagine what this human being will do to himself? Talking about mankind. Mm. And, I mean, JR had no idea what these spots were. Like... He's just foreshadowing there without knowing. And um, right. as we talked about, you know, the first Hell in a Cell being so great, King even says at the beginning of this match um, that the first Hell in a Cell was perhaps the greatest thing he's ever seen. King says that on commentary, which is unusual for a, a, a heel commentary to put it over like that. But that's a great camera shot right there of the Undertaker walking toward the cell with the camera looking through the chain link. That was a really good production shot. Dan Kirk, 316, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Kirk. I don't know who he is. but Hit us up, Dan he, Kirk. Hit us up. We yeah. want to hear from you. So at this point, Taker's at the ring, and this is a great shot, too. You got Taker down below. Wonderful production shot. Mankind standing on top, twitching like he's got Tourette's, and uh, just daring him to come up to the top. It's awesome. And remember here, Undertaker is injured. He is coming into yeah. this with a bum ankle, and you can see it clearly throughout the entire match. He is not at 100%. He's going to be limping on top of this cage, limping in the ring, limping out of the ring. It's, <laughs> yeah. Again, his commitment level to what he's doing. He's he's not phased though. He's about to climb right up there. Look at this dude. Face climb. off with mankind. Yeah. This is a 6'10", 320 pound dude also. Yeah. Climbing this yeah. cage. And I mankind helps him up right there. <laughs> yeah. Right there. I went back and read a transcript of Talk is Jericho with, with Mick Foley on it, and he mentioned that he forgot, you know, deciding to, cl- to climb to the top of the cell, he forgot how fat he was. And now he can only do like four pull ups in elementary school. He's like, I didn't realize it until I started climbing how, t- how, how bottom heavy I am. So and now they're up on the cell, guys, punching. You're not going to see many wrestling moves in this match, guys. No. If you haven't seen it before. And, and talk about bottom heavy here. We're about to see him just about here and just say, oh, big uh, he sign in the crowd. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're just about to go through the cell here themselves here before they're supposed to as Mankind gets in a few chair shots. It, what? It does. <laughs> Why is he bringing that chair up there? I don't know. We're just, gonna see it coming to play here in a second. Sure, as, but whoop! <laughs> whoa, here they go. They're about to break the Because you imagine if they broke through right there. Oh my goodness! <laughs> There's like two drunk uncles fighting right now. They're just like wobbling. Bless their hearts, man. So here we go. We're in this match. Probably mankind going for contact. 
Yeah. They probably made contact, what, 80 seconds ago? Yep. Now they're punching, punching. Mankind's on the edge, and... There it is. Oh, my goodness Good gracious. God almighty, he is broken in half. As JR would say, Mankind goes flying off the cell, and, dude, the sustained noise from this crowd yeah. when this happens. It's not really a cheer. It's just no. like a roar for about 30 <laughs> seconds after this happened. They just, people are screaming, people are crying, people are in shock. There's just this incredible at, noise after that happens. And this is selling 101, except for he's actually separated his shoulder from yeah. his body. Yeah. He's legit. Separation, but look at that selling, man. I just, I mean, he's not selling. He's actually here. You go the replay. Here's the from replay a great right angle. there. Oh my goodness, he didn't take the monitors off, man. But look and at the, it. Look how perfectly he hits it. Yeah, he doesn't hit those monitors, and you can no. Nope. You can watch his right hand. He kind of guides himself off yeah. the cage, too. It's just, you know, it's insane, and I, I don't want to call it stupid. You know, it's uh, it. I don't know if it's necessary. We can debate that maybe later on as we see Terry uh, Funk go on here. But Doctor Funk, <laughs> Doctor Terry Funk, it's comes crazy. Out. Man. And and look at look at the Spanish announcers. Next time they show it, they don't get up. They don't no, move out they of the way. Move. They just sit there as a human being comes flying <laughs> towards them. Yeah, and talking about, I was reading that interview with Jericho again, and he's and Mick Foley said that he went, he talked to Vince and ran that by him, and he said, you know. You mind if I do this bump? And Vince was like, "No, no, no." And he said, "Well, let me put it this way: if I was going to elbow drop someone off the top of it, you would probably let me, right?" And Vince said, "Yeah, probably." He said, "All right, then it's the same thing, except there's nobody on the table moving." So that's how he allegedly got yeah. Vince to to let him do it. So uh, a little behind the scenes there, again, not from us. There's a Francois Petit right there with the ponytail who was Sub Zero in World Combat movies, according to Bruce Pritchard, and confirmed by IMDb. That is <laughs> wild. Yeah, I knew I knew that name because Stone Cold talks about him all the time on his podcast. Yeah, I didn't know he's an actor though either. Me look neither. At, look again. Look at mankind. Oh. He guides himself God. with his hand there. Yeah, you know, he's trying to do it as safely as possible, but there, there's no safety there. Like like Jr. No. said, you can't fake that. You know, no. it's just and incredible. What a what a small margin for error too. Yes, like he could have exactly could have he could have hit one of those monitors, man. Could have hit the guard. Or yeah. Or. Um, uh, Bronco Savinovich or whatever his name is. <laughs> I think it's, it's Bronco Savinovich and Hugo Savinovich. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, this is Vincent Mann breaking kayfabe, um, honestly, out here checking on him. You know, uh, I think Pritchard said he wasn't supposed to come out, but he was legit concerned for him. And so Vincent Mann is out there as Vincent Mann, not Mr. McMahon, the character, checking on him. And here you can hear some cuss words uh, if you listen closely. And they're saying he broke his... Or he's is his, you know, blankety blank shoulder and stuff. So, um, he's yeah, again. This is this is not acting right here. No, and it's important to note as the cell <laughs> goes up here with Undertaker on top. There wasn't any padding underneath that table. No. You know, no. this this they kind of got away with something here, really, because right. if you look at every other bump that's been done like this in the twenty years since, and we've seen a lot of them. We've seen Shame at Man yeah. jump off the cell. We've seen. Jeff Hardy do some wild stuff True. off the Titan Tross. Steve Blackman, Rikishi <laughs> have done some crazy bumps. Every single one of those has some padding involved, has yeah. some special effects. It's gimmicked. It's gimmicked. 
this was not. And it's because of this that every big one after that has been gimmicked afterward. Yeah. You know, the Even Mick Foley. Yeah. When he the, does like against the um, next Triple year, H. You know? Or two yeah. years later. Um, yeah. And a very somber Vince McMahon looking on. I mean, that's a shoot right there. Legit concern. Yeah. yeah. Actual concern from. Um, oh, I, thought that, I thought that was Terry Funk and the Medicat, but it wasn't. This is actual <laughs> Medicat. So. But, um, you know, I was thinking when I was watching this is that if this were a technical shoot, you know, Taker would just roll down there, throw him in the ring and pin him, you know. So he's actually concerned for his brother here. But, um, but yeah, you know. I mean, they could have you, they could have ended it right here and it yeah. would have been oh, fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was oh, this yeah. was enough right here. Uh, I watched a a clip from a VHS that I used to have, the Three Faces of Foley VHS that came out uh, came out later this year in 1998. Uh, Foley talks about some of his most famous moments. He's talking in the arena to the Hardy Boys in an empty arena, just telling telling <laughs> yeah. stories to them. It's a great video, man. I, it I is. wish it was on the network. But he's talking to them about this match, and he says, in the planning of it, I was thinking to myself, Mick Foley's saying this, you know, if we do something big right away, people will believe they saw a tremendous match, even if nothing else happened. And, I mean, he was spot on. Yeah. Because we're going to talk about that as this match goes on. There's a couple of gigantic spots here, but otherwise, uh, it's not much of a match. No, uh, it's not. but we all remember it as a classic. As Undertaker yeah. climbs down here, trying to escape gingerly with his ankle here, um, he's trying. And I just want to say, um, the the crowd at this point is chanting Undertaker. Yes, clap, they clap, are. Clap. Here we go. Man, mankind's back up. There's Dave Hebner, the Fat Twin, trying, trying to hold to him back. Stop him! Trying to hold him back. And you know, in real life, they probably should have. Uh, in another yeah. time, in another era, they would have. As <laughs> but this is just so. Iconic. Both guys climbing back up. Rushing back up, yeah. Oh, my God. It's it's amazing. I think Mankind climbed faster then than he did the first time, and now yeah. his shoulder's He's legit separated. Pure adrenaline. Uh, adrenaline. Adrenaline. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, that too. Whatever. <laughs> Taker walking the tightrope in the middle. Okay, so headbutt from Undertaker. So we've seen this giant table bump that was horrifying. And the next spot in the match. He goes through the cage oh to the God. ring. That's and the it. Hits in the tooth. <laughs> as Vince McMahon says, as you can see the zip oh. ties around, yes, as the chair hit him in the tooth. And now they're rushing the ring here. Oh yeah. Break through the door into the cage to check on him. And Taker Taker's looking down at him like, Well, you asked for this, dude. <laughs> like, you wanted you wanted this kind of match. And I'm the Undertaker. I'm bringing it to you. And just this iconic shot right here of Undertaker standing over uh, what what a lot of people in the ring thought was dead. They thought yeah, and here it comes Taker Ooh. lands, and oh, that hurt my ankle yep. just watching him land. Yep. There goes the fat twin, Dave Hebner. Again, so here's he's just fallen onto this this ring, and he comes in here, and allegedly he gets the gets the you know information. That it's okay to proceed. This is one of my favorite parts of the match. <laughs> it doesn't involve a big bomb. Terry Funk Chokes gives him, Terry Funk. a chance to take a breather. Terry <laughs> Funk goes down and. <laughs> Out of his shoes. Kicks his shoes off right here. <laughs> and if you're not paying attention, you think, Undertaker just chokeslammed the man out of his shoes. <laughs> I love him. Dirty tube first socks, I saw this man. Match. That was my favorite. Dirty tube socks. <laughs> Here's a replay. Oh, oh my God. His God body's me. not supposed to do that. Oh, oh. man. And I just, so the, again. The other I, bump, I think, is the more famous bump. 
this is the more this painful one, bump for sure. And that's what Patriots said. This is the one oh, they were yeah. concerned about. Yeah. And, and because look at that. Look at me. Look at that. He's not well. The way he no. he did not take that bump normally. He is not. No. He's not all there, man. No, he's he concussed. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, and this is where I, I was reading that you know that transcript of his interview with Jericho, and he said that allegedly, according to Mick Foley, the cell was supposed to like give a little bit, and then like kind of have a tear in it when they choke slammed him in it, and then he would kind of fall down like a, like he fall down a rabbit hole almost, and Taker would kind of shove him, he would be hanging upside down, and then kind of backflip over onto his knees and his hands. That did not happen. He went straight through to right. the ground. Here we you go, know, old school. Oh. And mankind, mankind just collapses in the corner there. It's it's really it's honestly uncomfortable to watch. It just is knowing as we oh. see that shot of his tooth coming out of his nose. <laughs> and his, his I mean the fact that we're saying that, is. yeah, it's wild. Uh, that oh, and that's from the chair that came down on top of him that knocked that tooth out. But yeah, it, you know, uh, there was a lot of questions, and I'm thinking there's a lot of confusion of the people saying that spot was not planned of him going through the cell. It was. It, he was right. supposed to go through this. That was gimmicked, and you can see the zip ties come off of it. He was supposed to go off of it, but I think the understanding was it would take a couple of choke slams to go through it, and he might be able to pivot and well, land he looks in a, pain. a different way. Oh, he is. He is concussed. His shoulders separated. He is, he's not all there. Look, he, he picks up the stairs and just drops them. He doesn't know what to yeah. do here. It's, uh, so Tanker's like, fine, I'll yeah. do it. He picks up. Look at so that tooth. Tooth in the nose. Tooth in the nose. Tooth in the nose. He Undertaker rams him with the stairs. and In the bad shoulder, by the way. <laughs> you know, just uh, all the props in the world to Mick Foley for <laughs> sacrificing himself, for doing this, and, you know. But for fans like us, yeah. But the funny thing is, you know, if you look at his career, what is he famous for? For Mr. Sacco, for, for reaching his pants and pulling out a dirty pocket. tube sock, yeah. And that's the I think that's the lesson here is that he didn't have to do all this stuff. Is he right? Would he still be a Hall of Famer without this match? I think so. Yep. Would he still be WWF champion? Probably eventually. Would this elevated him to a different level? But you know, look at guys like look at the king. Look at the Rock and Roll Express, who we've talked about on the show. Would they ever yeah. do anything like this? And no, are they still wrestling today? <laughs> As Undertaker oh. just suicide. Dives he's in. working this match by himself here. He jumps <laughs> yeah. into the cage. He's gonna take a blade job here. Um, man, it is. But yet, oh, man, it's brutal. You're right. We've talked about it a lot on this. We've talked. We've used Mick Foley as an example about how he's most over when he has sock on his hand and is doing stuff like. You know, it didn't matter that you could do it, which I think was Vince's hesitation in bringing him in in the first place. You know, Jr. talked about how he had to convince him to let him bring him in because he was a spot monkey, Mm -hmm. which wasn't even a term back then. But, you know, Vince was hesitant. And uh, apparently after this match, well, I'll I'll, I'll say that for when this match is over. Vince has a comment, he says to him, that according to Mick Foley. Right. um, And I'll say that for when this match is over. But, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that as long as you got good storytelling, good characters, you don't have to do this kind of stuff. And, I mean... Undertaker's still wrestling today, <laughs> you know. That's true. Yep, he's still wrestling today. Um, you and know, you, you can tell he's hurt right here too. He's oh yeah, struggling to get up those stairs. Uh, Kudos to both of them. Yeah, especially because we're gonna see them after this match is over too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mankind hits your goes, favorite move. 
wedgie pile driver. Oh, oh yeah. boom! Picture Sticks perfect. It hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. And again, I was talking about stakes earlier. This match has absolutely no stakes. That's true. There's nothing at stake in this match. There's no title contendership. There's no tag team title. Con- there's no anything. You're not going to be on Vince's payroll if you win. There's no stakes. So they did all this, and there's no stakes, you know. But it's still a classic match, obviously. Oh, but it's imagine legendary. It, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely. Oh, taking a page out of Sabu's book. Oh, leg drop on the chair. And that's my thing, too. Like, at this point, why are we even still doing this match? You know, (laughs) yeah, it's those two bumps. I mean, that's that's what we came here for. And they and honestly, if you listen to the crowd here, they're just kind of in stunned silence at what they've seen. And they they go through the the motions with this wrestling match after. Right. But you you didn't need to. And and, Mm -mm. uh, mankind is. Good lord, man! He's tooth, man. He's bleeding from the mouth. His tooth is in his nose. Hits about the ugliest nah. DDT you'll ever see right there. It's <laughs> yeah. just you know, in the mat, in the punishment, as as Jr. would say, you know, somebody stop the dang match. Yeah, and um, Jr. tells us right here. He says, you know, we said this would not be for the weak at heart, and uh, King says, look at mankind's face. He's actually laughing, um, which again, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And then here's um. The spot, there. the third spot, yeah, yeah, and uh, but as they as he's getting these thumbtacks out, I want to say that Jr. reminds us on commentary here that no one has had more wins over Undertaker than Mankind, mm. which I'll be. We should probably go back and check that, but I, I can't. Though. I mean, yeah, on pay per view, definitely. Yeah, I can't think anybody else has thumbtacks. So maybe man. Sean. I mean, Sean would be, but I yeah, think yeah, I guess Sean. It'd be up there with both of them. So here we got thumbtacks on there, punch to the face. This is oh man! This is the first time we've ever seen thumbtacks in the WWF, in, right? Foley busting out the death match, kind of stuff. And dude, yeah. you know, thumbtacks always work. That's one of those yeah. things, man. Mick Foley's done a lot, but even a couple of years ago when Jericho and Ambrose did it, man, it always gets over. Yeah, bring thumbtacks always. In the ring. And, and and honestly, there's... you know, it's it's painful, but. It's not on the same level of taking a bump, flying through off a table. Yeah, it, it's right. Safe. You're not going to separate your shoulder. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to hurt. You're not going to separate your shoulder and get a concussion from landing on some thumbtacks. It'll hurt for a little while. You put some band aids on it, but yeah, you're not going to risk your, you know, sanity. <laughs> basically, I mean, Jericho talked about how it hurt like a beast, but yeah, it um, yeah. yeah, it's not these two bumps here. And so here we go. Mankind's got the mandible claw, which is how he's put away Undertaker in the past. Taker is probably not selling there. He's actually ready to give up. Oh, God. Yeah, both <laughs> yeah. these guys. I'm, I'm ready to get, watch him. You know, referee Tim White here at Hell in a Cell, he'll have an infamous Hell in a Cell later on in the years that gotta, ends his career. you got to think about what's going on in his head, just being in there yeah, witnessing I know. all this sort of stuff. Oh, so here's Undertaker, Mankind on his back. And, and he's going to just flat back down onto oh. the thumbtacks, dude. Which mankind rolls into? Still got tooth in the nose, guys. Still got tooth in the mo- nose. And there's a great story on the something to wrestle with episode from last week with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad. Is he Bruce talks about mankind coming backstage after this match, saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, we forgot all the thumb deck stuff." Like <laughs> yeah. mankind did not remember any of this happening. Yeah, and, and yet That's he crazy. did it and went through with it as he's about to get choke slammed into the thumb decks here. Just brutal. Yeah. I mean. Oh man. Right before this, is he's is he's leaned over in the corner, and Tim White comes and talks to him. 
he says, uh, Mick Foley leans up and says, tell him to, and he says some word I can't understand, but I guess what it was was go home. Tell him to go home. Like, yeah. I'm done. I rewound it about 20 times. Here we go. We've got a sideways tombstone. Perfect. Picture perfect. Looks awesome. Cross pin, one. Iconic pin, one, two, three. 17 minutes, 38 seconds, as far as I can remember. Mercifully, oh, it man. is over. JR is going to say, these two men gave you of their soul tonight. Uh, that They're putting over both guys huge. And, I mean, really, this was pretty much an Undertaker squash match. Going yeah, back and watching dude, it, he destroys mankind here. He does. He throws him off the top, chokes him through it, backseat drivers him into thumbtacks, chokes him into thumbtacks, and does a tombstone. All that mankind got was an ugly DDT. Yep. But this match got four and a half stars from Dave Meltzer, and the Sean Taker one got five, which, I mean, if you're going to go from in-ring standpoint, which he's usually big on, there's no way they compare. But as oh, far as spectacle, no and ta- spectacle and tableau, as we mentioned last week, it's the rare match time, has it all. Yeah, Meltzer rates it based off of yeah. just the spectacle of it. Yeah. Because, again, I think you and I both said that Sean and Taker is our favorite Hell in a Cell, but this one, there's no denying the impact this one had on the future of the industry future of like you said it's even safety in big bumps but um I mean, that one you, had it do you remember watching right? this one for the first time i do so i remember this night my friend that was at my church um he called me he ordered the pay-per-view and he called me and told me what had happened and i got online and was reading you know the updated you know spoilers as you know as the kane and austin match is going on but i remember him calling me his name was daniel harrison he called me and uh told me what happened and uh, I remember not seeing it. I, I wonder if I saw it. With, I don't remember the first time I saw it, if I saw it with you or if I rented it. But I do remember I owned the um, WWF Eve of Destruction VHS, uh-huh. which came out yeah. at the end of 99 or beginning of 2000. And it had like the highlights of this on it, along with the highlights uh-huh. of a lot of other good matches. And I remember watching this one over and over and over again. Like It wasn't the whole thing. But honestly, though, it's, just, it's basically three bumps. Right, you know? right. I There's not a lot in between. Uh, I remember hearing. I must have read it online. You know what happened, and then they would show the, the still images on Raw the next night, and I was just blown away by it. And whenever the VHS came out to the store, you know, two months later or whatever it was, I remember. I feel like it was rented out the first couple of weeks. I I tried to oh, go sure. get it, but uh, you know I remember as we see some more replays of it. I remember watching it and just rewinding it over and over and over again because it was just shocking. It was unbelievable to me. I remember my dad had a friend uh, that he worked with that came over to the house, and he was sort of – he used to be into wrestling back in the day, back when he was younger. And I remember, like, saying, you got to come see this because we would talk about wrestling stuff, even though he wasn't really watching it. I remember, like, coming to show him, like, oh, my God, you've never seen anything like this before. It was just – it was insane. It was one of those things, and and – that's the thing about it is 20 years later, it's still, it still has not been topped, I don't nope. think. And, I mean, that's a good thing, probably. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, for the safety and the, and, the, and the careers of people nowadays, it's a, you know, we hit the peak and it should never go beyond this. And hopefully it doesn't. I mean, it's a good thing that we have all that safety. In, life, in my opinion, some people oh, would yeah. say, oh, oh yeah. no. You know, we need more of this attitude era stuff as as mankind gets stretchered out and right. <laughs> he's refusing it, unable to stand. You know, that, yeah, that's all I need to to know about this is that 
it shouldn't. It, 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 wrestling doesn't have to be like this. Right. And God bless him uh, for doing it, but it doesn't King, have to be like this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And King says something. Uh, well, JR and King both say, I, I think JR says, I'll tell you what, folks, in 25 years, I've never witnessed anything that even closely resembles what we just witnessed. And then King says, nothing in any federation has ever resembled this. Yeah. You know, up to this point, probably not. Yeah, I'm sure. And like you said, there's been other spots and big stuff, and you get the holy ass moments and stuff nowadays in the big spot, but like, Nothing. This is it, man. This is the pinnacle of it. And Terry Funk's rocking a fanny pack. <laughs> fanny pack and tube back. socks, <laughs> bringing the crowd to their feet. Uh, and, get, and, we, and we do hear a light Foley chant uh, yeah, yeah. as Mick Foley does get a, a standing ovation here. Uh, yeah. And it, seeing one replay. more replay. Man. Like, like you said, man, it sucks that Foley had to go to these lengths to like be solidified as a main eventer, but this definitely is a match that everyone says you put him there. I know he got sick of talking about it, but now he's doing a, a tour, you know, world right. tour about it. So, I mean, he, he must have come to terms with it. But at first, he says he got sick of talking about it, you know. This is not what defined him. Well, he says you know? on that Three Faces of Foley VHS, which came out in 1998, you know, just a few months after this, he says on there, this is probably the match that I'll be remembered for throughout my entire yeah. career. And he knew even a couple months later that that was yeah. true. And he was, and he's still exactly right. We're talking about it 20 years later. Uh, as right now, the show is going to transition to Stone Cold versus Kane in a first blood match. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and we're not going to watch that. We're not going to watch that. But just so you know, to go into next week's episode, Kane is going to become the WWF champion here. Uh, after Mankind, after that, he's going to yeah. run out here 15 minutes later and interfere in this match. And Undertaker is also going to come out and interfere in this match. He's going to accidentally hit Stone Cold with a chair, uh, which is going to cause Stone Cold to bleed and cause him to lose the first blood match. Because he revives Earl Hebner with gas- a can of gasoline. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, mm. Kane is going to become... The second man in his family to become the yeah. champion, actually faster than his brother did. It's true. Uh, in a shorter amount of time, he's going to become champion. And that's going to play a part into next week's episode as we move on to Fully Loaded 1998 in your house. But, man, uh, any, uh, any other final words about this Hell uh, match, man? Yeah, well, what I was alluded to earlier is I wanted to say that Vince Vince allegedly thanked Mick for what he said. Thank you for what you did for the business tonight. But I don't ever, ever want to see anything like that again. So as Mick fully recounts that story, I think Pritchard said something about that too. So just, you know, he went above and beyond. So did Taker. Because again, Taker was busted up too. You could tell right, right. the whole match he's hurting. His ankle's killing him. So, you know, props to both those guys for getting that thank you for let, uh, doing that for us fans you know and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the watch along I know it's a little different but we couldn't really add anything new to this match has been dissected you know more than a frog in biology class so you know uh, it's just uh, it's just something we tried and let us know if you guys liked it if you were there that night um, in uh, Pittsburgh Pennsylvania at the fleet, uh, Pittsburgh arena I think it's a Civic arena um, if you let, let us know if you were there what you guys' memories are about this match, um, uh, and, good uh, and bad. You know? <laughs> Lou Jane on Facebook, you, yeah. you mentioned you were at Man- Mayhem in Manchester. Uh, we want to hear about that. Uh, you commented on there. Give us your feedback on that from a couple weeks ago. We want to hear about that. We love hearing from people who were at the shows and, and your memories of just watching this 20 years ago. Uh, we love hearing from it. 
it's just it's fun you know hearing from all our followers out there on twitter uh just your interaction with us every little bit of it it's cool and you know there's been a few of you i've seen on twitter you've been tagging us on uh on other people's posts sharing our posts retweeting us tagging us when people are asking what wrestling podcast they should get into yeah and thank you that means a lot yeah it really, really it does, does. Uh, it's it's just really cool out there for me and travis uh for that to be happening so we do appreciate that we appreciate every single download uh every single person who's following us on all the social media pages out there twitter facebook and instagram where you get all the talking taker content uh you know i think our new goal travis our new goal is we gotta figure out a way to get the undertaker to follow us on instagram undertaker's on instagram (laughs) now he is got an official instagram page we got we're gonna work on this. We're gonna get. Yeah. We're gonna get the Undertaker to follow the podcast devoted to him. We're, we're gonna figure it out. So. Yeah. If any of you out there can help us out with that, we would appreciate it. Because uh, you know, he needs to. He needs to know. He needs to know. He about, does. He needs to know we're talking Taker. Exactly. He sure does. And uh, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing else we can add. It's two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we love y'all. Uh, thanks for everything, and uh, see you next week. I'm just kidding. Take her easy. Where was it? On the embalming table or something? No, no, no. On the kitchen floor. Oh, no. Yeah. On the kitchen floor. On the funeral Bob Bearer slips the salami to the Undertaker's mother on the kitchen floor. In the kitchen apartment of the funeral. You swear to God. I I swear. It's it's the gospel truth. That's the way it happened. She took me, an innocent 19-year-old boy. That's why I lost my virginity right now. (laughs) It's true. Paul Bearer buries his baloney in the Undertaker's mouth. You know, she was a moaning and a groaning and a screaming, and I heard some little feet coming down the stairs. Uh, it's a good thing I got up because it was Little Taker coming down the stairs. I stopped him just in time. <laughs> and then it took two more steps. He had seen his mama's feet. One of them was in New York, and the other one was in LA. <laughs>